Welcome to our Moving Forward with SDI podcast featuring the founder and CEO of Lead Inclusion, Leanne Young. She's an educator, professor, author, and international consultant. Thanks again for joining us today. My name is Laura Lee Lake. I'm the SDI lead for Central Rivers AEA, as well as special education consultant and a director of special education. I'm here with my colleague, Kelly. I'm Kelly Ward, a literacy consultant with Central Rivers AEA, utilizing my experience as a special ed consultant and coach to advocate for equitable access for all students. The question we're going to be focusing on today is who is on the team? In this session, we'll be discussing ideas and examples of team engagement, along with the critical role each team member plays. If you're following along on the SDI framework attached in the show notes, we're discussing the green section on the final page of the framework. You can find many connections to the engagement and collaboration in all of Leanne's books, specifically Your Students, My Students, Our Students, and Goals to Growth. All right. In Iowa, we're working to increase collaboration and participation throughout the planning and implementation of SDI. Past practice has put the weight of the planning and delivery of instruction on the special education teacher. With the team approach, we are looking for meaningful participation from all team members, including parents and general educators, along with students. Leanne, in your experience, why is it so important as we work to improve our practices in schools? Well, thanks for having me again. Uh, what an important topic to think about who's on the team and what are their roles and, and why is that important to, to consider? First and foremost, we have to remember the purpose of this. And we are in service to a student. We are doing this for and with a student, not to a student. So I think that's the first, the first thing to remember is, you know, how are we serving the student well? How are we supporting them to tell us about their own aspirations and their own goals for their life and, and, and zoom away a little bit from even the standards, as important as those are to guide our curriculum, to guide our instruction. Some, sometimes we just have to, to get back to what really matters for the student. What does the student think really matters for themselves? So, you know, in the last podcast, you all asked me some about um, the difference between specially designed instruction and uh, what's happening in classrooms and so forth. And, and I think we saw that you know, specially designed instruction and intervention can happen anywhere. And we all play an important part of, of implementing any intervention or instruction that's designed. And if that's the case, we need everybody on board. If it's essential that everybody is a part of implementing support and supporting a student and the student has an important role in figuring out what strategies work for them, then everybody has to be involved in the planning. Otherwise, it's just another document that we're filling out. It's right. just another box that we're checking and it doesn't really have any meaning. We end up with a compliant document that nobody ever looks at and, and really isn't, isn't meaningful. So it, it's essential to have everybody on the team and, and involved in, in setting goals and designing in designing strategies. So in your book, Your Students, My Students, Our Students, um, and I'll just plug like one of my absolutely favorite books. Um, there's a chapter on Thanks. leveraging the strengths of all educators. So um, in your work, what are some ways you've seen general education teachers engage in the process? Yeah, you know, I can I can think back to a personal example, honestly. And, it, it, you know, and, and really all of this planning and supporting students and, and thinking about all the roles on the team, 
it's much more a challenge in problem solving than it is one person on the team having all the right answers. You know, and it's not always the special educator who comes up with the way of approaching something. It's usually, it's best anyway, it's usually best if it's a, if it's a collaborative process. And I can remember one time very distinctly when it was the general educator who kind of figured it out. And it was, uh, it was when one of my children failed the end of course exam for algebra. And so my older child failed this end of course exam. And I tell this story all the time because he's a math guy. He just graduated with a degree <laughs> in mathematics with certi- additional certificates in mathematics. So, you know, he's a math guy and he was then. So he understood the algebra concepts really, really well. But when we looked at his end of course exam, he, um, he made one kind of error on the whole thing. And it was mixing up positive and negative signs. And it got worse toward the end of the paper, the end of the test. And, and so he missed a lot of them. He got a lot of answers wrong. And it was his language arts teacher who figured it out. It was Chad who made the most important connections there. So, you know, we were, special educator was thinking, okay, what kind of intervention do we need to put in place? And, you know, the, the administrator saying, well, you failed the end of course exam, so you have to repeat algebra. And he did, which was the wrong choice, right? So we did everything we could at home to, you know, just keep him understanding. It was a box he had to check off and that he understood it well. And he went on to take geometry at the same time. I think oftentimes in in education, we call that careless errors. It was not careless. He cared a whole lot. I cared a whole lot. It was not careless. It was not you know, not, not his wanting to do well. Um, and it was Chad who figured it out. The language arts teacher who said, you know what, this math test looks like the papers in my class. You know, he's got such amazing thoughts and, and just wonderful things to share. But when he puts it in writing, it starts out okay. And then he starts making a lot of errors with conventions of writing and the organization kind of falls apart over time. And he said, I I think it's, you know, when I talk to him, he has really clearly articulated thoughts, but you know, when he's putting it on paper, it's a lot for him to think about the organization, the conventions of writing while he's thinking about his thoughts, you know, the the content that he wants to share. And so I think that's, that might be it, that he, he understands it really well, but it's a lot to think about, you know, the equivalent of the conventions Mm -hmm. of writing. And I just thought that was so brilliant that the language arts teacher, Chad, put that together. So it, it's not that anyone on the team has all the expertise. It's we all have expertise and bringing that together to solve problems is, is really where the magic is. That's great. I love that example. And I think getting our teachers involved like that in that true problem solving is so important. The other participants, sometimes our parents, our passive participants in our SDI, IEP writing process, rather than the meaningful collaborator. Do you have any examples or ideas that you could give to help our teachers like start to transition parents into being more engaged? I think they're in the routine of they come to the meeting and this is their role. How could we start to change that and help them become more engaged and meaningful participants in this process? Yeah, you know, to answer that, I think we first have to ask, why are they not? Why is a parent 
or parents or caregivers or guardians, why are they not engaged? You, know, you hear sometimes families don't show up for the meeting. Well, why not? What's the reason? I mean, almost every caregiver cares immensely for their child. So it's not that. It's got to be some other reason. There's got to be some other barrier and some other reason that they're not. And this is not so different from uh, classroom teachers. A lot of times we'll say the classroom teacher is not um, you know, fully engaged in the meeting and in that moment. And so it, it's, it's really similar. We have to ask, why are they not? We talked about this in the last podcast. So for both families and classroom teachers, they may feel like you're the experts. You know what to do. I'm not the expert. You know what to do. And so there's, there's no real reason for me to be engaged in this, creating this legal document. And, and families may feel that. They may feel like you all handle school. You're the experts. You give me homework. You tell me what to do. But you're the one who, who designs this because you know best. And so it's our job, really, to help families understand that they are the experts on their child. I may have some expertise in intervention or designing you know, instruction that's individualized. A teacher, a classroom teacher may have expertise in curriculum or in eight-year-olds, you know, or whatever it is. But that parent is always the expert on their child. That caregiver or guardian is always the expert on their child. And so what are all the ways we can send that message? explicitly and implicitly. Um, And for classroom teachers, what are all the ways we can share? You are an expert. How can we draw on things like what happened with Chad and say, you know, in that last meeting, you're the one who figured it out. You're the one who has this contribution. With families, you know, a lot of them have had bad experiences with school. They may not have had a positive experience with school and may not feel invited. You know, I can remember um, earlier in my career um, in early childhood, and I can remember all of the things we did to be intentionally inviting of families. And we can think about our interactions. We can even think about our spaces. I, I think we walk this fine line between being invitational and being professional. You know, and so sometimes that professional, those attempts to be professional come off as too formal. And, you know, we can, all, we can all think about when we feel invited and most comfortable. You know, you, you think about the settings where it's very formal. And for many of us, that's, you don't feel at ease. You don't feel comfortable contributing. But we all feel comfortable with our friends at a casual lunch and, you know, having conversations. So where can we, where can we push that line a little more to be really invitational. You know, think about where you have your meeting. How comfortable is that space? How formal does it feel? You know, what are the tables between us? Where are we all sitting? What documents do we have in front of us? All of these things. So if we think very intentionally about how do we make this inviting, even even what we call one another, you know, and, and I don't know how schools and individual teachers feel about this, but I always had families call me by my first name and I called them by their names. And, and certainly if someone prefers their honorific or to be, be called by their last name, absolutely. But, you know, kind of 
feeling that out of what, what feels most comfortable, what, what seems to put a family member most at ease. And, and you know, the answer is not always first name or, or whatever. I do remember one thing as a parent. So I, you know, I had a lot of IEP meetings that I attended as a parent. And one thing drove me absolutely crazy. And that was when a teacher called me mom. Okay, mom, let's sit over here. Mom, what do you think about this goal? All right. You know, it's oh. amazing. And all right, okay, mom, what are you? And I'm thinking, I'm not your mom. Like that's <laughs> just a generic name that you're using for every parent who comes in here. Mm-hmm. And call me by my name, first name, mm-hmm. last name, whatever, but don't call me mom. And, and you know, everybody may not feel that way. Certainly, I'm just sharing my experience. And, you know, what are we doing to make it, make families feel like we really know them? And, you know, you, you wouldn't call somebody outside of school that. You wouldn't say, oh, hey, mom, to, to, you know, some kid's mom. Like, that's just not what you do. So what are all the intentional ways that we can take a look at our spaces? How do we make sure we're really listening to families? You know, where we're not just listening for a response, but we're really listening for understanding. and. Uh, you know, so th- those are some of the ways. And, and, and then also, again, with classroom teachers, with families, with students, with everybody on the team to make sure that we're more facilitators than we're the ones. If you're a special educator, you're a special educator driving it. How do we make the IEP meeting the culmination of something that's been happening for a while? It, it's not that we show up at an IEP meeting where the special educators have written an IEP and we're just asking everybody, is that okay? Mm-hmm. Well, most, you know, almost nobody's going to say that. No, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then it's, that's back to doing something for a student. So mm-hmm. we want to, we want to think about how do we engage people ahead of time? How do we make them feel like, know that they are experts. Students are experts on themselves. They're experts. And if we do a good job they're by the time they're, you know, older, they're experts on the strategies that work for them. They know how they learn. They've got strong metacognitive skills. So one of the questions that I ask now early on, and you can ask this question of a student, of a family member, of a classroom teacher, of a special educator, and everybody has answered this question, which makes it a really great question to ask early on. I no longer suggest people look at test scores to uh, come up with goals. But, you know, phrased as for a student, if I could only do blank, it would change my life. Any student can answer that question. To a family member, if your child could only do blank, it would change their life. To a classroom teacher, if this student could only do blank, it would change everything. Everybody has an answer to that question. You can look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can look at adult learning theory. Anytime somebody is invested or, you know, what we're doing is, is driven by a goal that person has, you have a different level of investment and you have a different level of self-efficacy of feeling like I can do something about this. So everybody can answer this question. And then when we make everything we're doing about the answer to that question, you know, now we're cooking with gas. Now we're, now we're getting somewhere yeah. because we're, we're getting at something really meaningful that's driven by a student. You can look at all of John Hattie's work and, and really the work that John Hattie is summarizing or analyzing to know that when students set their own goals, 
when we support students to set their own goals, you get a different outcome. You get a far better outcome. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure everybody out there can think of really great questions to, to ask, to, to, to kick off that engagement. But that's the one I use, and we use it early on. And we think of the IEP meeting as where we sort of finalize things. But we've thought about all, all of this far in advance. I love that question. Mm -hmm. And I think about if you have that information as you start the meeting, I think that would just amp up your engagement. So for everyone, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So in closing, we're thinking about this topic, about who is on the team, thinking about what's most important. Are there um, resources or places you would send us to get more information and keep learning about this? I think your question is great and we're all writing that down, but any other places or um, resources you think would be important for our teachers? Yeah, yeah you, all, you all brought up the, the From Goals to Growth book earlier. And, and in that book, I talk about a process. And it's not just about a special educator designing something. That process of determining what our goals are with a student, determining what strategies we're all going to put into place, how we're going to know that we're successful and so forth. You know, I think that process is, is really useful. I also have a new book. I don't know what it's going to be titled yet, <laughs> but it's with Corwin Press. And it's, it's all about universal design for learning. And, and a big component of that is engagement. And, uh, and I think that that's going to be a useful place to go to really think about how do we engage one another? How do we engage students uh, in this awesome. type of process? We also have some articles at leadinclusion.org that you might find useful with this topic. Great. Hey, do you know when we should be looking for your new book? I think it's going to be ready um, by December or January. So January, 2023, I really hope so. Really excited about this work. It's all about equity and universal design, not only for thinking about diversity and ability, but all kinds of diversity. How do we engage all students? How do we, how do we promote equitable outcomes with diversity in mind? Oh, we can't wait. Yes. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. So another amazing session with Leanne. She provides so many good examples, insights. What were some of your big like, yes, I definitely want to think about this in the future. Well, kind of almost working backwards through what she said, because at the end, she really talked about asking a student if I could do this one thing, really helping them focus, it would change my life. But getting parents and teachers to think about that too, how great to ever get everybody thinking past all their test scores. It's not like if they could only score in this percentile, but what's the thing, the behavior, even if it's an academic goal, that if they could do this, if they knew this, if they could do this thing, then now we're getting focused as a team and everybody's more invested in the meeting. I love thinking about that. And she said early on, and in my head, I was spinning like, what do you mean? Like, when would I do early on? Would I kick the meeting off with that? Because we usually try to start with strengths. Would it be the follow-up question to strengths? Or is it even a question prior to mm -hmm. the meeting? Because then we could open up and say, here's what everyone said. Yeah. Now let's dig in. So I guess I'm I'm kind of going back and forth. And what do you what are you thinking about that when you think about that question and drawing everyone in with it? 
I, I like the idea of doing it prior because it sets everybody up then to, to think about it and also give time to think about it. So, I mean, that's a deep question. So maybe as a parent, I need some time to think about it. The other thing that I love that she said was the parents are experts on their children. We have expertise in different areas as educators, but a parent is the expert. And even by calling ahead of time, when you're setting up the meeting and asking that question puts mm-hmm. the ball in their court of you are an expert. You bring so much to this team. And she talked about those inviting spaces, just that phone call, just that question is already inviting of we, we want you here. You are an expert. You bring so much to the table. And I, I, I love that. Right. Because I guess when I think about meetings I've been in, I don't feel like the parents have that demeanor or thinking like they're very, sometimes will even feel nervous mm-hmm. or ready to be a passive, like show me where to sign, tell me when it's over because they haven't felt valued. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think because we're feeling nervous about making sure we have this appearance of, we know what we're talking about. We have all our ducks in a row. And we're, I even had a teacher once say like, it makes me feel like I look like I don't know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. when I don't come with a plan. Yep. Yep. But, Um, and I, I can't remember what that model was that I used with the four questions that we asked. And I, as a special ed teacher and a special ed consultant, I wouldn't ever come with the IEP done. It was just more of a conversation about what does a student need to be successful? Mm-hmm. And just by, just by not bringing the paper, it almost, it opens it up. So everyone has that active voice. Mm-hmm. It's not about checking the boxes. It's about what does this student need to be successful yeah. in accelerating their learning? Having a real just conversation yes. about what are the needs. And then in in our way, making sure we talk about what we need yes. to talk about. But on the other hand, it can get typed in whenever. Yep. Yep. And it makes it feel like she talked about that professional versus invitational. If you're filling in boxes mm-hmm. on an IEP and or reading what you've already typed, it feels professional. Mm-hmm. Like we're here for checking off the boxes. Versus I think if we switch that to say, let's just have a conversation and I'm going to remember to ask about strengths. I'm going to remember to talk about all the services that they are eligible for in our conversation and check the boxes later. It feels more invitational. It does. And invitational in our conversation. And she talked about invitational space and Mm -hmm. schools. She said it like a lot of times our parents haven't had great experiences in schools just coming into a school building can be, you know, bring back mm-hmm. some memories that aren't positive. And so I've always been an advocate for home visits and would mm-hmm. always offer that as an option because then you're on parents' turf. Like it's their place. Just that comfort level is there when you go, when you offer to go to their home. Sometimes parents, you know, they'd rather come to school, but mm-hmm. just by extending that invitation of I'm happy to come to you because it's your child that you're an expert on has led to great parent participation and parent relationships. Yeah. I think that with or without a home visit, just really making sure to connect when you call about when is the meeting, having that question ready Mm -hmm. and being open to saying, Hey, tell me, tell me what I need to know about your student. Mm -hmm. You are the expert. Mm -hmm. What do we need to know before we make a plan? Yep. Like, this is important and we need your input. Um, sometimes I feel like we make parents feel really put on the spot at a meeting when you're sitting around a table or 
in the principal's office. Mm -hmm. Like if that's where the meeting's mm -hmm. being held, think that could have some uncomfortable or negative right. connotation. Like we're in the principal's office, but but really thinking, hey, when we talked, like you could almost start out being their voice and yes, drawing them mm -hmm. into the conversation, sharing what you thought was valuable, mm -hmm. then they maybe sit up and feel valued. I think well, those are and like Leanne said, listening, not not listening to respond, but listening to understand the parent. And what you said about the principal's office or where you have the meeting, maybe not at their home, but even in a classroom versus the principal's office. Right. Or the, you know, like what would a space be that is more comfortable to have mm -hmm. a meeting for the families? So sometimes I feel even parents will um, really loosen up just walking down the hall. If mm -hmm. you meet them at the door and walk mm -hmm. them down the hall and have a little one on one, yeah. you can really make people feel comfortable about joining you as a team member in mm -hmm. that situation. I think in our achieve system, it really talks about getting team concerns and it's changing from not parent concerns, mm -hmm. but team concerns. And I wonder how this question could lead into that concerns of everyone and the way she said it, you ask everyone on the team, and then that becomes the purpose of the meeting. Mm -hmm. And it keeps coming back throughout. It isn't just like, I feel like our strengths, interests, preferences, parent concerns, we filled in the box and then we went to the next mm -hmm. page of the IEP. Mm -hmm. Like the whole idea of that change Drive and achieve is really supposed to be driving the concerns of the team, not just parents, everyone throughout the whole discussion. Right. That's the whole purpose of it. I'm I'm anxious to see how it plays out, but yeah, that's exciting. It made her, it, what she said made, made a connection there for me. So I'm hoping that that works out for us. Yeah. Right. Thanks all.